Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. Happy Taco Tuesday, September 27th, the year 2022. To you and to yours. Uh, Saints are in London. Tigers getting ready to travel to the Plains of Auburn. The Raging Cajuns trying to snap a two-game losing streak. Basketball's on the horizon. And Mondo Duplantis finally got the clarification that he wanted. All these stories and more coming your way today as my main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons as the producer of the next two hours of highly informative and entertaining radio substance. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, right? 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area with a television set, pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. The buzzers continue to circle around Auburn head coach Brian Harson's office, but it's LSU week. It's the Tiger Bowl. It's a heated rivalry that dates all the way back to 1901, a game that Auburn won 28-zip in Baton Rouge. LSU's Tigers hold a 31-24-1 all-time advantage against Auburn, but those War Eagles are 13-8 and against LSU at Jordan-Hare Stadium, where the teams will reconvene on Saturday for a 6 p.m. kickoff. Auburn's won the past two meetings in a largely overlooked rivalry, at least nationally. Look, when these two teams get together, the intensity level is ratcheted up as high as it gets even to the point, huh, we remember this, is of, of registering on the Richter scale. Just go back. The national championship season of 2019, many considered the greatest team in college football history. It was Auburn that gave LSU their toughest game. The Tigers of LSU were ranked number two at the time and survived a 23-20 decision over ninth-ranked Auburn in Baton Rouge. When Auburn was on that 2010 run to the national championship, it was Cam Newton who ran through the entire LSU defense for a long touchdown run. And the Tigers from Auburn needed a late fourth-quarter TD to break a 17-17 tie and beat sixth-ranked LSU 24-17. to When these teams get together, regardless of the circumstances, whether it be imminent coaching changes, national championship journeys, buildings burning in the background, this game is always about the passion that makes college football the great sport that it is. 
that LSU is favored by nine, as much as nine points is absolutely amazing to me. And the perception is something, right? Brian Kelly's 3-1 and one with a 1-0 and SEC record. Brian Harson is 3-1 and one with a 1-0 and SEC record. Everybody's got Harson out the door. Brian Kelly still on the honeymoon status in Baton Rouge. So um, a lot of pressure on this one. The expectations are different. A win on Saturday will ease at least some of the pressure that Harson must be feeling from all those pushing him toward the exit door. A loss, however, <laughs> he may not be the guy taking Auburn to play Georgia the following week. Just make one thing for sure. This one will get lathered up and will be rolling um, come Saturday. Come, uh, it's, uh, I expect nothing less. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints, the schedule says the game starts at 8.30 this Saturday in London between the Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. Well, according to the Vikings, that 8.30 start is not CT, Central Time, but VT, Viking Time. Apparently, some point this week, Viking coach Kevin O'Connell invented his own time zone. Viking Time, they're calling it. Um Look, if you go to bed at 11 p.m. normally in New Orleans, that means you're not going to bed until 5 a.m. the next morning in London. Um, the Saints, two teams that have different plans here. The Saints um, flew straight to London after their week three game against the Panthers. They landed on Monday. As for the Vikings, they're not leaving until Thursday night, which means they won't be landing until Friday. So one team... You may look at this as a week-long vacation. The other team, a 48-hour business trip. We'll see which one prevails when they actually get on the field. So wait and see. Wait and see. Armando Duplantis, the former LSU pole vaulter, and uh, uh, the Prince of Lafayette, his leap of 6.21 meters or 20.37 feet in July has been ratified and is now recognized as the official world record in the event. The plan is competing for Sweden set the mark on July 24th at the World Track and Field Championships in Eugene, Oregon. New Orleans Pelicans had their media day yesterday. They're on the practice court today. All eyes on Zion Williamson. This is a team with, with great expectations, high hopes, can they stay injury-free? That's the question um, that we'll have to all wait and see. And if they can stay injury-free, they should be A-O-K. Yes, indeed, A-O-K. Um, come celebrate German style and heritage at the Roberts Cove German Fest this Saturday and Sunday in rain. There will be traditional German cuisine, music, dancing, plenty of German cultural activities, a rice threshing demonstration, antique tractors, and you can even take home a German cookbook from the gift shop. This kid-friendly event takes place this weekend at St. Leo Catholic Church in Roberts Cove, just off of Rain, exit 87 on I-10. For more information, visit robertscovegermanfest.com. Come, yes, indeed. So, um, 
the Raging Cajuns hosting South Alabama this weekend. South Alabama, a really good club. The Cajuns trying to figure out a way to um, get beyond their past two performances where they basically beat themselves or cut in the foot. In the foot. Um, a lot of um, cancel or a lot of movement in college football with uh, Hurricane Ian uh, about to approach uh, Tampa and the the Florida and all up the East Coast. Uh, the Florida Gators have moved their football game versus the Eastern Washington Eagles to Sunday uh, in Gainesville. So after coming off a loss to number 11, Tennessee, Eastern Washington's lost two games. Uh, South Carolina is looking to move their game to a Thursday. Um, yeah, South Florida's game with East Carolina moved from the Tampa, from Tampa to Boca Raton will be played at uh, Saturday afternoon. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were relocating their football operations to the Miami Dolphins training complex in preparation for their Sunday night game against the Chiefs. So a lot of things happening in our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to each and every one that will be uh, in harm's way. We certainly know all about that. As we await the pending outcome of the independent panel's uh, findings on Will Wade and the LSU men's basketball program, Memphis Tiger basketball coach Penny Hardaway, according to the independent panel, did not violate NCAA rules in providing benefits to prospective student-athletes. So they get a little slap on the wrist, a little three-year probation, fined $5,000. Um, after the IARP concluded, Memphis committed four level two violations and five level three violations. Of course, Memphis cannot appeal the ruling under IARP rules. So we thought maybe the worst for Penny Hardaway uh, who provided $11,500 in moving expenses for Star Center James Wiseman and his family to relocate from Nashville to Memphis in the summer of 2017. At the time, Hardaway was Wiseman's coach on the Nike EYBL circuit, later coached him at Memphis East High School, but he was not the coach at Memphis at the time. So we all anxiously await to hear what's going to happen um, with LSU down the road. Phil Mickelson, three other golfers asked to be dismissed as plaintiffs in LIV golf's lawsuit against the PGA tour. Uh, Mickelson said, I'm focused on moving forward. I'm extremely happy being a part of live while also grateful for my time on the tour. I'm pleased that the players on tour are finally being heard, respected and valued and are benefiting from the changes recently implemented. Um, so there you go. Lots of lots of debate on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, New York's Aaron Judge will try to get number 61 tonight as they are in Canada to take on Toronto. He has been stuck on 60 now for six games and uh, starting to get a little twitchy, little twitchy. So those are your headlines of the day as we are brought to you today by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. We'll talk about the Tigers of LSU and the Tigers of Auburn when we return with Matthew Bruni of Go247 Sports as we get this Tuesday, September 27th edition underway here on the Jordy Helpert Show. 
on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. LSU's a nine-point favorite, according to Caesars Sportsbook, um, over Auburn this weekend. That, to me, is unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the biggest lines in favor of LSU for a game at Auburn. You got to go all the way back to 2012. LSU was a 20-and-a-half-point favorite at Auburn. Can you guess what the final score to that one was? LSU won 12-10. to 12-10. to 10. So, uh-uh, uh-uh. It, it just doesn't seem to work out that way. Let's talk about the Tigers of LSU and the War Eagles, Tigers, Plainsmen, the worst mascot in the history of um, sports in Aubie with um, uh, Matthew Bruni, who covers the Tigers for Bengal Tiger on three. Huh? What's up, Matthew Bruni? How are you, man? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great. It uh, finally feels like fall around here, so I'm, I'm yeah. happy. We're doing great over here. Kind of a welcome respite this morning. It was actually cool outside. So uh, are you surprised? I know Auburn's not good. I know they've got quarterback issues, but it's still Auburn. And when LSU and Auburn play, it's a war. Are you surprised by the nine-point spread? I am. I definitely am. Uh, I was surprised last week when Florida was a ten-and-a-half-point dog to Tennessee just because yeah. we, and that game, I believe, was in Tennessee. And so yeah. – it's just the SEC is just different. It's it's tough to win games by double digits. It's tough to win games convincingly if you're not Alabama and or Georgia, I guess at this point. And for everybody else, it's going to be tough to go on the road and, and get wins, especially wins by over a touchdown. So no, I I agree with you 100. Um, percent Heck, I I looked at the line window on Saturday night uh, when I got back just because it was available um, on Fanduel, I think, and it was five and a half. And I was like, okay, this will probably get to like six or seven and. It's at nine, which is kind of crazy to me. That is kind of crazy. We shall see what that, how that fluctuates throughout the course uh, of the week. But this, I, I think we all are in agreement. This LSU team is trending in a number of positive rec- directions, uh, from where they started to where they are now. And I think it starts with with Jaden Daniels. He just keeps getting better and better. He was running for his life early. Now he's making better decisions. He's throwing the ball well. I think he's become a really good quarterback, and I think maybe he's starting to understand what this system that he is in is all about. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's it's a lot of the early running and indecision felt like it was partially him, but also the offensive line. Yeah, I mean he. You have to think about throughout the fall camp and even throughout spring and summer, he just continued to see offensive linemen rotate in and rotate out. There was very little continuity. So to have back-to-back games where the offensive line was the same felt like it maybe calmed him down a little bit. And then obviously New Mexico wasn't the most daunting pass rush, so he was able to sit in the pocket a bit more. I mean, all of his rushes are basically improv for the most part. So it's mm-hmm. not like he's they're designing you know quarterback 
draws or quarter or a bunch of quarterback draws or a bunch of quarterback powers or anything like that. So I think as we see him continue to get more comfortable and as we see him, the offense start to get more comfortable, I think he'll start to you know become more of a passer as the game yeah. as the season continues. I think he's getting to be a really good quarterback. Um, the other aspect that is definitely a positive, and I didn't know what to expect after Mason Smith got hurt. You've got some players in the secondary that are in and out, but this defense keeps getting better and better. How much is that Matt House effect uh, on what this defense has, has been able to accomplish? Yeah, I think coming into the year, I, I said on here, I was – I trusted Matt House completely just based on yeah. what he did at Kentucky and what he did uh, I mean what he's his experience at Kansas City and there's too much talent in the defense for him not to have success and they've lived up to my expectations uh, so far obviously we'll have to see how it goes in conference play but you know to the even the Florida State game I think they were actually pretty good in that game Jordan Travis played really really well for Florida State so you know, they there were a couple plays, and then there was obviously the the reverse touchdown pass. So it wasn't perfect, but you look at that game, you look at the Mississippi State game, and I mean, I don't have a ton of qualms with that. And then obviously New Mexico, yeah. they just crushed. So yeah, the defense is coming along really well, even without Mason Smith, like you said. And I think at all three levels, I have a good amount of confidence in them. Yeah, I think they've done great. Uh, I expect this Fouché kid to uh, step in and play right away and become an impact player. Um, he's got some um, unity with his fellow safety. They both came over from Arkansas, so I think that'll be a natural fit. Um, at least that's the impression I get from Coach Kelly. Yes. Um, I mean, Brooks has been really good back there at safety so far, and so obviously it sucks that Major Burns got injured, but it's Joe Fusha's, you know, four-game uh, suspension or whatever you want to call it, him being held out the first four games, and then they, they're able to plug him right in. And it's not like he wasn't involved in practice throughout the, the fall. Right. I mean, we saw him consistently going with the ones and the twos. Um, obviously, as practice went on, they started giving him more of the twos because of the situation. But he's been there the whole year, I think. I mean, Kelly said he's been game-playing with them the whole time. This is nothing new. And this isn't even like John, John Emery's situation because – Fusha played a ton last year, and he's played a ton his whole career. So I think plugging him in and also going against Auburn, who is not a very you know pass-oriented team, I think this is a really good situation for him to step into. So better quarterback play. The defense has been stout, and although not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, they are making fewer mistakes on special teams. It's, it's far from a finished product, but at least there is improvement there, don't you think? Yeah, I mean the only thing were the the holding penalties on or the block in the back and you know the penalties on the punt returns were the only main problems and obviously Ramo, uh, Ram, Ramos Ramos uh, missed the field goal but I, I think there's a lot of trust in, in Ramos going in to the rest of the year so if they get Jack Bash back there and he looks as good as he did uh, last Saturday then I, I I feel a lot better about this unit going forward and we'll have to see about kick returns against. You know, SEC or kickoff coverages against the SEC teams. But overall, I, I think the mistakes are starting to, to come down a bit. All right. This is your chance to um, jump on board and you become a fan um, um, where the LSU fans will love you or the LSU fans will hate you. What did you think of CBS and their um, choices of Auburn at Georgia 
for its regular 2.30 p.m. slot, and then Texas A&M at Alabama for its 7 p.m. double dip and not choosing LSU and Tennessee in Tiger Stadium. Yeah, I don't know if it's just me. Does, does it feel like the 2.30 game has lost a little bit of uh, you know vigor behind it with when Vern Lundquist uh, retired? I don't know. I feel like that would have been the obvious uh, game the for the 2.30 spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so with Georgia and Auburn, it, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me because I think if LSU beats Auburn how we you know expect them to at this right. point, you're looking at a 4-1 LSU team against a top-10 Tennessee team probably, and I think that in, in Tiger Stadium, I think that would be a lot more interesting to folks than Auburn and Georgia to me. So, yeah, I, I'm, I was surprised. Um, I mean, personally, I'm covering the game anyways, and it – the only difference right. is it's going to be really hot at eleven o'clock. So, to me, I'm I'm good anyways. But that's right. Uh, yeah, it, it surprised me. Uh, that's right. I mean, I, I'll I'll never forget people complaining and complaining and complaining that LSU had to play in two thirty games. They wanted everything at night, and I never forget Nick Saban saying, "You know, folks, uh, if you play at two thirty, that means you're a good team. So accept it, and let's keep it like that for the rest of time." Because if you're playing in that time slot, you're good. So I, I was surprised yep. by it, but it is what it is. You got to play anyway, so so go play. I, let's shift gears. I want your opinion on on this uh, Kim Mulkey, Brittany Griner situation, where um, a reporter asked um, Kim Mulkey about her former Baylor player that took him to a bunch of Final Fours, won her a national championship, was a college basketball player of the year. We know about her. Uh, in Russia now and being detained, uh, guilty as charged, um, and Kim Mulkey won't talk about it, and that's drawn some ire from others. I- I'll I'll share my thoughts after you share your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean Mulkey's been asked about it before, and she's given kind of a similar answer where she wasn't going to talk about it. So. This didn't. It didn't come as a huge surprise to me when it happened in the press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, seeing how the, the backlash and everything comes with it, and Mulkey is one of those figures in, I mean, sports in general. I mean, especially college sports, where everything she says will be held, you know, because of her yeah. past, because of what she said in the past, and everything like that. So, um, but I, I think there was a history, and I'm not completely versed on on their history, but I, from what I've read and what I understand is. You know, Mulkey and Griner, and Griner didn't have the best things to say about Mulkey and uh, after her career there and everything like that. So I don't think they're on the best terms. Uh, would it have been easy for Mulkey just to be like, I hope she gets back safe? Yes, it would have. But, um, you know, Mulkey, she is not afraid to say or not say whatever she wants. So, um, yeah, it is an, it's an interesting situation, especially with the former players being upset about it. But... Overall, you know, Mulkey, I don't think, cares about what anybody says or thinks. She's going to do whatever she says. And for better or worse, that's that's who she is. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting situation that I'm going to have to, or that we'll continue to see unfold if she gets asked about it again at any point. And that's why I'm here to tell you if she had asked for my advice, I'd have said, Kim, just say, I hope everything works out. On behalf yep. of Brittany Griner, I appreciate what she did for us at Baylor University. I wish her nothing but the best. Good luck. End of subject. 
I heard it saying, yeah. and you won't. He's, well, the question was, I haven't heard anything about you mentioning anything about Brittany Griner. Yeah. And Kim said, and you won't. So that leaves the door open for more questions and more spe- Why did you say that? Why did you? It makes people think a little bit. If she had just come out mm-hmm. and said, 10 seconds, I wish her nothing but the best. Thank you for all you did for us at Baylor University. We won a national championship. I'll always be appreciative of you. I hope everything works out in your best. Period. Boom. It's over and it's done. Yep. But, hey, that's 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 Kim. She's going to, like you said, she's going to do what she wants. But in my humble opinion, I think she made a mistake there. And if she could go have a do-over, I think she would do that. And then it would be over and done yep. and not rear its ugly head ever again. All right. Uh, back to LSU Auburn. What are the keys you think for LSU to, um, to come away f- uh, from Jordan Hare with a win? Tough place to play, man. Really tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in how the offensive line looks against this uh, Auburn defensive yeah. line. Derek Hall for Auburn might be the best defensive lineman they've faced all year, yep. and yep. he'll be lined up on, on the edge position, so he'll be going against those freshman offensive tackles. And while Will Campbell is very good, um, I think in that Florida State game he really struggled. And so he's gotten better since then, but if, you know, if Hall is lined up against Campbell consistently, that's a huge matchup there. And even if he's matched up against Emory Jones on the other side, that's going to be interesting. So that's probably the, def- the Auburn defensive line against the LSU offensive line is probably the biggest um, key or point of emphasis that I'm going to be watching throughout the game. And then from that, it's just, you know, how do they get the receivers involved and can they establish a running game? Because I'm still skeptical of the running game, especially if Armani Goodwin uh, misses the game. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the best running game is the quarterback running game. So, And we know what happens when that happens. So can't afford to get him hurt. So we shall see. Uh, Matthew Bruni, always great talking to you, man. Keep up the great work for um, On3. And that, that's awesome, man. Keep it up. And thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. All right, buddy. You take care. Matthew Bruni with us. Now, the game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. Just text the word GATE, G-A-T-E, to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's GATE to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We will hear from Zion Williamson and we'll talk about the Pels as preseason practice is underway, believe it or not, and the regular season starts in a couple of weeks. Whew. Roll with the NBA. We'll be right back after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home. For the Tigers and Astros in Southwest Louisiana. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, yes, indeed. The sound of the NBA as uh, the New Orleans Pelicans held their media day yesterday. They were on the practice court today. The regular season starts right around the corner. All eyes on Zion Williamson. He talked to the media. He said this about 
finally returning to the court. I've never dealt with a layover like this. Uh, that's a long time without playing a game. But my excitement level is through the roof. I'm just ready to get back on the court. So, Zion, you can play any position on the court. What position do you want to play? Working on winning. Uh, Coach, me and Coach Green spoke. He could throw me anywhere out there. Uh, as long as we win, I mean, I'm happy with that. Ah, that's the attitude. And um, his teammate, Larry Nance Jr., said, uh, Zion, you got to treat your body like it's a Lamborghini. So, Zion, what have you learned about your Lamborghini body? Man, uh, it's one of those feelings where I'm in the gym and something happens, and I'm like, oh, man. I can really do that. Oh, that's different. Uh, but now I learned a lot from nutrition standpoint, from working out standpoint, how long I need to be in the gym and the most efficient way to work out. Christian Clark covers the New Orleans Pelicans for uh, NOLA.com. He's kind enough to join us after watching uh, the Pels yesterday and then on the court today. Christian, how's it feel to be back with hoops again, big guy? It's great, man. The, the vibes were good. It was a, a much different scene than media did in 2021. I can only imagine. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from what you listened to and what you observed from yesterday's media day? Yeah, I think, you know, you'd hear that Zion looked good physically um, over the past few weeks. And I think it was kind of a situation for me where it's like, Okay, that's encouraging, but I just I need to see it with my own eyes. You know, I think we're kind of in that territory now. I just got to see it to believe it, and I saw it and I believed it. I think he looks like he's in great shape to me. Um, I mean, to me, he he looks you know as fit as as any time I've seen him really since he was at Duke. Okay, I mean he does look ripped now. He's got muscle over muscle. Um... And he looks thinner. Is is it noticeable that he looks thinner? I mean, it is to me, yeah. I mean, uh, a bunch of the uh, the side-by-sides of him at media day last year, him at media day this year were going up. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, unquestionably, he, he looks much better than he did a year ago. Um, and that's really exciting if you're a Pelicans fan. Don't you believe that this team, unlike many, many others, they, they kind of know what their roles are? This is a team that's returning a bunch of people. Um, they kept the unit intact. And, you know, I mean, everybody kind of knows their roles. Everybody kind of knows who's going to be the backups, when they're going to get in, what they're expected to do. So from a, from a standpoint of team chemistry, it's got to be at an all-time high. I mean, totally. Yeah, there's there's – you know, definitely continuity. I mean, you know, they're they're changing a head coach every year in Zion's first three years. You know, right. finally it's a situation where Zion, Brandon Ingram, and the other guys are, are working with the head coach they know in, in Willie Green. And, you know, this roster is almost identical to the one that, that played the Phoenix Suns in the spring. I mean, you've got Dyson Daniels on there. But for the most part, you know, it's exactly the same roster that got to the playoffs. I mean, really, you're just – adding Zion Williamson to it and, and, you know, seeing how far you can go with that. Yeah. Um, the CJ McCollum contract extension. So CJ Zion, Brandon Ingram, 
they're under contract for the next three years. That 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 to me is a positive sign. That's a sign this team is in the in the let's win and win now and let's continue to win mode. I think that sends a clear message not only to the to the league but to their their starving fans as well. Totally, totally. I mean, yeah, CJ CJ already had two years on his deal um, on Saturday. He officially signed up for for two more. So there's no team or player options. He'll he's under contract with the Pels for four more seasons. Bi's got three years on his current deal, and Zion is under contract with the Pelicans for six seasons. No player option or anything like that in the last year of his extension. You know, of course, like this is the NBA. We all know what the deal is. Right. Um, just because the guy's under contract doesn't mean he's going to play with that team for the entirety of his contract. But that being said, this is a real window for the Pelicans. Like three talented dudes under contract uh, at the same time for three years. Yeah. You know, nice supporting pieces and. You know, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado. Uh, we'll see what Dyson Daniels becomes. I mean, this is as good as an opportunity as this franchise no has ever had at, you know, getting back to the playoffs and doing damage once they're there. I'm with you. Um, optimism reigns supreme. You got to look at a little bit of practice um, today. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, we just came in at the end, but uh, it's Sounds like they're doing a two-day, two-a-day today. Um, they didn't really do any five-on-five in the morning session. I think they're going to play some five-on-five this evening. Um, but but Zion practice very smiley. Uh, it seems like you know he's in, he's in really good spirits. I mean, it just it felt so weird at the start of last year with okay, this was the third head coach in three years. Zion's hurt. How the heck are we going to replace this? We don't really know when he's coming back. I mean. There's just familiarity this year, and I mean, I think Zion is in a different place. I mean, physically, but I mean, mentally, he seems in a, in a better place too. How does Brandon Ingram look to you? He's always so frail and thin. Um, has he changed at all? A little bit? Is he? You know, what what, what was your impressions of Bi? Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of a storyline last year at Media Day was. He had added, I don't know, 10 to 15 pounds. I mean, it was really the first time in his NBA career he'd been, been able to actually put on a little bit of weight. Um, I, I mean, physically, it looks like pretty much the same to me as, as last year. But he seems really at peace. I mean, uh-huh. Brendan Ingram is a, a pretty quiet guy. I mean, oftentimes pretty understated. I mean, he just he seems really comfortable in New Orleans now. Like, it, it kind of does seem like home for him. I mean, it seems like he's you know, coming out of the shell a little bit uh, going into his fourth year with the team. Christian Clark, who covers the Pelicans um, for NOLA.com. Uh, season's right around the corner. I know that um, they had a team dinner last night to discuss goals and things like that. Um, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. What do you think? What do you think um, – uh, the coach told the players this year, what do you think their goals are? That's a great question. They they didn't really want to put, you know, specifics on it at media day. And I, I can understand why, because when you say that stuff publicly, you know, it can kind of just get thrown back in your face. Um, but, I mean, I think Willie Green is probably feeling like, you know, why not us? Why Why can't we make a surprise run to the finals Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram was asked that, and he's like, I think he said, 
well, if I said second round, I'd probably get a call from Willie and he'd say championship, so I'm going to say championship. Um, but, you know, I think it's interesting because the ceiling is pretty Zion dependent. I mean, that's kind of what it's all hinging on, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram is a very good player. He's is a very good player. But, I mean, you know, to get to the championship, you, you kind of need a top 10 guy, you know? Right. I mean, the Celtics weren't going to make it without Jason Tatum, and they had a really good team behind them. But, I mean, the Zion's going to have to be a top 10 guy if they, they really want to go far. I'm with you. Um, just to show you, uh, the last time the Pelic- this franchise went to the playoffs in consecutive years was 2007 and 2008. Back then, they were still called the Hornets, and the guy that they played in the playoffs, Chris Paul, for Phoenix, was the starting point guard for the Hornets. So it's been it's been quite some time since this team has had some consistency and stability. Now, on paper and in the locker room and in the coaching realm, everything is consistent. They've tweaked a couple of things here and there. Um, but my biggest curiosity is, you know, you saw last year Brandon Ingram was a shot-heavy forward. C.J. McCollum was a shot-heavy guard. Now you're bringing in another shot-heavy guy. Something's going to have to give. And are those players going to be willing to kind of take a back seat to Zion and let him get his 26, 27, 28, and maybe their numbers dip um, rather exponentially. And to me, that that's the, is everybody going to buy into having Zion back in the fray? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think, you know, the sacrifice element that you just talked about is, is going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, there's, there's four guys in that starting lineup who are pretty good at going to get their own shot. TJ, yeah. Brandon Ingram, Zion, Jonas Valanciunas. There's only one ball, so someone's going to have to sacrifice. Um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas was huge for this team last year, averaged, you know, around 18 points a game. Um, you know, really deserved as much credit as anybody for helping them just tread water when Zion was out and things weren't going great. Um, I would I would imagine that his he's a guy who is going to have to sacrifice this year too, just because you know like Zion is like the best interior scorer in the game, and, and JV can step back and hit a three, but that's really where he's at his best too, is around the basket. I'm also curious, and we talked about this before, of um, Murphy uh, now in his second season uh, as he developed that that confidence and that wherewithal to be that knockdown three-point shooter that this team is so desperately in need of, can Trey Murphy do that? And if he does that, I think this ta- that takes this team to a whole new level. I really do. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, they they need him to be good. I mean, they, they need that shooting. I mean, they've been a bottom six NBA team each of the past two seasons in both three-point attempts and three-point percentage. I mean, there's going to be easy looks, you know, Devante Graham said at media day, he was like, I was talking to Trey and I was like, we're just going to get unbelievable looks this year because you, know, you got BI, Zion, CJ, like they all attract so much attention. So the looks are going to be there. And, you know, hopefully Trey can pick up where he left off last season. I mean, it really, things seemed to flip for him in the spring in mean, that game against the Lakers at home where he had four threes in the second half was huge. Yeah. Four, he had four threes in the playing tournament, went over the Clippers. So, you know, hopefully 
that continues to do it through this season. When is the first uh, preseason game, and the opener is on a Wednesday, October 19th, against the Brooklyn Nets? Isn't that interesting with all the things that they've been through? Uh, and Brooklyn's already a four-point uh, home favorite in that one. How about that? Interesting. I, I, I read a couple of stories that came out of Nets Media Day, and uh, the way Steve Nash handled you know, Kevin Durant basically calling for him and uh, Sean Marks, their GM, to be fired was, hey, look, I've, I've known Katie for a long time. We go way back. Families go through things like this. Uh, so that was uh, kind of interesting. Yeah. I can't remember the last time a star, you know, wanted a coach fired and he didn't get fired. And then the coaches got to talk about it on the very first day. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, Christian Clark with us. When you, when you look at the Western Conference, um, some teams are going to get better. Some teams like the Utah Jazz, they're in complete rebuild mode. So that's a team that finished fifth in the league in the Western Conference a year ago. Uh, so they're going to drop. I think Minnesota's going to get better. Um, I think Denver's going to get better because they're going to have all their people back. I'm not sold on Dallas. Are you? I know they've got Luka, but I'm not sold on the Mavericks. Are you sold on them? Man, I'm such a believer in Lucas Talent. I, I, I feel like you don't have to put much around him. But, yeah, yeah I mean, like, like the loss of Brunson is, is very significant. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. he was their second-best player last year. I'm with you. The Clippers are going to be better because Kawhi's coming back and Paul George as long as they stay healthy. So that's a team that finished behind the Pels. They're going to be a lot better. Golden State's going to be great. Memphis, do you think they take a dip, or are you still sold on the Grizzlies? You know, they, they did lose a, a couple pretty important rotation pieces this offseason. I mean, Kyle Anderson went to Minnesota. Um, they also lost DeAnthony Melton. So, I mean, those are two somewhat important guys for them. Um, you know, I, I think they're still going to be really good. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't win quite as many as they did last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think Phoenix wins as many as they did last. They were 64 and 18. I think they come back to the pack a little bit, uh, simply with everything that's going on that you can't avoid. Uh, but I think this is a prime opportunity for the Pelicans to to get out of that playing thing and make it into that uh, six-team rotation that are guaranteed in, in my humble opinion. I think they got a shot there because I think Utah is going to fall precipitously out of it, and I don't think San Antonio is going to be worth a darn either. And if you listen to Greg Popovich, he kind of agrees with me. Yeah, definitely. And I think for this team, too, you know, just at least at bare minimum, you know, getting another playoff series, hosting playoff games in your home floor yeah. um, is important. I mean, as you talked about, the last time they made the playoffs in consecutive seasons was, you know, back in the Chris Paul days. Right. Like they're, they're trying to build up a fan base right now. You know, yes. and, and they have a real opportunity to do that. And, and doing that means winning in consecutive seasons, like a sustained run. So often in this Absolutely. franchise history, they have a good run one year and then just all the air comes out, you know? Right. I'm with you. All right, Christian Clark, it's the, the marathon has begun, my friend. So you're going to be busy from here till eternity. But I know you love it, and I can't thank you enough for joining us today, man. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Christian Clark, NOLA.com, The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member 
of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to wrap up hour number one after this timeout, the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, hour number one's in the books. Coming up, hour number two, we'll take you around the SEC with Blake Topmeyer. All you need to know about the New Orleans Saints on the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Stick around, a fun-filled hour coming your way on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. It's almost playoff time here in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go, and we begin going around Southeastern Conference football with, um, he's the best in the business, Blake Topmeyer, covers the SEC for USA Today. Blake, good afternoon, buddy. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Hurricane Ian is causing some uh, some changes for some games. And boy, I tell you what, it has struck a, a nerve. Uh, the fact that Florida's game against Eastern Washington has been moved to Sunday, it brings back some memories and some, some not-too-friendly memories of LSU and Florida back in, back in 2016 when um, things didn't didn't happen quite so quickly, and it's caused bad blood to this day between those two schools. Bad blood between LSU and Florida, really? <laughs> yeah, Hurricane Matthew, <laughs> baby, Hurricane Matthew, October eighth, twenty sixteen. Yes, <laughs> I know. I was being facetious, but <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can look back in, in the rearview mirror. I think officials have gotten. Uh, smarter, more cautious as time has, has gone on yeah. uh, with these hurricanes. They don't tend to take any chances. Really, like from a from a viewing perspective, I'd like to see that LSU at Auburn game get bumped up to Thursday night action uh, because I will be in a press box elsewhere on Saturday, so would love yeah. just for viewing purposes to see that game get shuffled uh, to a Thursday night. Can we... Can we get the scheduling gods to to work that one out, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be interesting to say the very least. What do you think about that matchup, Auburn? Um, we, if if the thicker kicker from Missouri makes the kick, we may be talking about an interim coach today um, for Auburn. But by as chance has it, or luck has it, or fate has it, uh, he missed. Auburn wins in overtime. They're three and one, and one and zero in the SEC, and. They're booting Harson out the door. Brian Kelly's three and one and one and zero in the SEC. Exactly the same, and he's on the honeymoon period at LSU. Yeah, it is interesting this this world of college football, right? Where a guy can still have a job, uh, largely thanks to uh, the other team just refusing to snatch 
uh, a victory. And and Eli Drinkwitz's um, strategy there toward the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, Drinkwitz got more conservative than Newt Gingrich when he, He uh, you know, just refused to try to punch the ball in the end zone and, in fact, ordered the retreat uh, before that field goal, moved him five yards away from the goalpost farther away. Um, yeah. And boy, if they would have been five yards closer, I think that kick would have been through the upright. So, you know, between coaching gaffes and um, and mistakes by the team, you know, Missouri just really refused to, to take the victory in front of them there. You mentioned, you know, these two teams, LSU and Auburn, have the same record, but it does feel like teams headed in different directions. I mean, uh-huh. I think LSU has made notable strides. Uh, in the weeks after that season opener, I really like the the development of Jaden Daniels. I thought Brian Kelly made a really good point at his press conference this week about a couple of passes that Jaden Daniels made uh, last Saturday in which he went through his progressions. Uh, I mentioned a third down completion on a touchdown drive in particular uh, where Daniels uh, made a completion to his fourth progression the receiver that was his fourth target uh, on that play that's something we weren't seeing you know at the beginning of the season it was more like one or two reads and if that's not right. there take off and run he's still running it well uh, but i think he's reading the field better and when it comes to auburn you know the record is is there it's three and one but it just doesn't look really good i mean this offense doesn't have much punch at all uh, the defense has kept it in games for the most part except the game where it played a good opponent, Penn State, and the defense got destroyed. So, yeah, the records look deceiving because I I see two programs here headed in opposite ways. If I told you the spread was LSU favored on the road by nine points, would you touch that? Well, probably because um, when it it opened at seven and a half, I, I believe that was the opener, I thought, yeah, I'd take LSU probably up to about ten plus. So it's okay. still nine and a half. It's getting it's getting closer. Uh, but I, I I said ten plus when I saw that seven and a half come out. So I'll stick to that. I think I okay. would. Um, okay. You know, if you look at history here, then that probably gives you some pause. I was looking at it yes. earlier today. I think it's five of the last six uh, matchups Close, in this man. series have been decided by five points or fewer. Um, and then you know, as as fans obviously know, that the cliche of of anything can happen certainly applies in this series. I mean, when you it think, uh, what was it, 22 years ago uh, or so, you know, a, a basketball gymnasium went up in an inferno uh, yeah. while a game was being played. So truly, Crazy. like, anything can happen in this series, right? But yeah. when you take all that out of it and, and just look at the way these teams are playing, yeah, I, I do think that LSU can, could win this game by two scores or more. Okay. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today, covering the SEC. Um, some really interesting matchups, but I think you got to start with um, at number one with seventh-ranked Kentucky, undefeated, heading into Oxford to take on 14th-ranked Ole Miss, also undefeated. Game's a complete sellout. The Grove's going to be packed. It's a it's a 11 o'clock kickoff. They're asking the fans to arrive early so they can all be seated for the start of this one. Uh, man, this is a good one. What do you think of this one? Yeah, kind of like Ole Miss uh, a little bit, but I'm curious to see how much Chris Rodriguez elevates uh, that Kentucky run game. It's been unusual how Kentucky has gotten to 4-0 and because, you know, when we think about the Wildcats, we think about, um, you know, sturdy offensive line, dependable run game, and defense. Well, you know, the offensive line and the ground game has not been there 
the defense has kind of come in fits and starts, and it's been Kentucky, you know, by and large, winning through the air up to this point. Now, their, their star running back, Chris Rodriguez, coming back should help. Uh, but I just feel like Ole Miss has looked a little bit better through four weeks, but it hasn't played a ton of competition. So right. it, it has been hard to, to get a read uh, on Ole Miss. One thing I'll say, you know, both these teams have a very manageable schedule by the SEC's standards. Um, you know, there's, there's five undefeated teams in the SEC remaining right now. You have right. Georgia and Alabama, of course, are undefeated. The other three are Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Of those three teams, if we were to pick like a, a playoff dark horse, I think Tennessee probably has the best team of the three. However, Tennessee has the hardest schedule of those three because it's the only one that has to play both Georgia and Alabama. I think Kentucky and Ole Miss have favorable schedules. Ole Miss has to play Alabama, but not Georgia. Kentucky has to play Georgia, but not Alabama. Um, And so I think the winner of this game, you know, they'll be at 5-0. They'll have a a nice top 25 win there on their resume. I think the winner of this game should be looked at at least as a long shot, a long shot contender, you know, here in the early going for the playoffs. Gotcha, Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. Um, which team is more susceptible to be uh, uh, maybe upset this weekend? Number two, Alabama at 20th ranked Arkansas. Arkansas battled, uh, came up a little bit short in Arlington. Or 17th ranked Texas A&M heading into Starkville to play Mississippi State. Are you on upset alert for either one of those two teams? Yeah, both of them, I, I guess, depending on how we're defining the upset in the Texas A&M game, I saw the betting line uh, have Mississippi State listed as the favorite in this game. So I, okay. I, I guess we're saying like A&M by rankings losing would be the upset, but right. that game feels like a toss-up to me. Um, you know, A&M, I think, has, has gotten a couple important victories here the last two weeks, no doubt, after that loss to Appalachian State, really needed these wins. Uh, against Miami and, uh, and and Arkansas, but it's been like white knuckle all the way, you know. And yeah. when you try to win games that way by just a couple of points or one possession every week, you know, you're kind of you're kind of leaving it up to fate in in some ways. If, if Cam Little's kick is uh, a foot and a half to the left, Texas A and M sitting at two and two right now. I, I really right. don't even know if A and M losing uh, would be much of an upset in terms okay. of the rankings. It would be again in terms of the spread. It wouldn't. And in terms of, uh, you know, just, just where these teams stand, I don't feel like there's a ton separating A&M and Mississippi State right now. I might, I might like A&M in that one and a close one, uh, but I feel like that is kind of a true toss-up. Uh, with, with Alabama, I, think, I still think Arkansas is dangerous. I think Nick Saban hit the nail on the head Monday when he talked about Arkansas's big play potential. I think teams like that that can score, um, you know, in a blink of an eye always worry you. Uh, because even if they can, they get down, they can come back quick. Um, you know, you could land a punch on them, and they they land a counter punch and score in ten seconds. We've seen that from Arkansas throughout this season, and really that game last week, Arkansas outgained Texas A and M. They outplayed Texas A and M. Um, they had some breaks go against them, some of which you know they contributed to that that KJ Jefferson fumble on the goal line, um, a wild play that went for a touchdown the other way for. For A&M, but 
you know, none of that makes me believe that Arkansas isn't a dangerous team. And in some ways, you know, they might be even hungrier coming off of a loss. So, yes, I, I think both those teams should be on upset alert in, in Alabama and A&M. Is Georgia just kind of going through the motions right now? I mean, they're so much better than whoever they play, it seems like, but they struggled a little bit, or the game, I'm not saying they struggled. The score was probably a lot closer than the game was, but um, are they just kind of going through the motions? Is this expected? Yeah, it's hard to say because, you know, before that Kent State game, they were they were doing anything but, right? So I mean, we hadn't right. seen any real signs of that before that game. I. I think that's probably more of an aberration than anything from yeah. Georgia. I, I I don't expect, you know, we'll we'll see that going forward. I, I think, um, yeah, I think Georgia's established itself as as the team to beat. Um, they're deserving of the the number one ranking. I I, I know some AP voters are, are still logging their votes for Alabama or, or Ohio State, and I guess I'd kind of be curious on the on the rationale for that you know i mean mm-hmm. is that kind of overreacting to a closer than expected game against kent state maybe are people just get getting rooted in um on their preseason projections maybe you know at this point i i think i could hear an argument for maybe ohio state being number one um but if we're basing it on what we've seen on the field uh through four weeks you know if the debates between georgia and alabama you know eventually i think this is going to be settled you know, in Atlanta, uh, but right. until we get to that point, we got to base it on what we've seen. And, and I think Georgia has been the better team uh, thus far. And, and uh, again, I, I, I would chalk that Kent State up to, um, you know, an aberration and, and really probably nothing that's going to follow this team moving forward. Blake, Georgia's your number one team in the SEC. Bama's number two. Now it gets tricky. Give me three, four, and five. <laughs> yeah, it's like I change this every week. I think last week I would have told you Arkansas was my three, but they lose, so they got to drop down a down a bit, right? Um, right. I think at this point I might put uh, Tennessee at, at number okay. three. I think Tennessee does something so well in in their offense. You know, you I, I, those teams that um, you know have a real defined strength, I think, can be tough to beat. And as long as Hinden Hooker is, is upright and healthy, you know the mm-hmm. Vols are going to score some points. Yeah. Um, that makes them a dangerous team. They have issues on defense, uh, but you still got to outscore them, and, and nobody's been able to do that so far. And I don't think a lot of uh, SEC teams will be able to do that. So I would probably put them uh, three. I think I'm without much conviction. I guess I would put Ole Miss four at this juncture, and I'm not even going to get into number five because I think we could have a great debate there <laughs> of so many teams. And, you know, LSU's been playing well. They are um, they are inching back up that pecking order. Uh, I still think Arkansas is a dangerous team. Kentucky's sitting there at 4-0. I think they might come back to reality a little bit this week. Um, in- and then, you know, teams like A&M and Mississippi State are, are wild cards too. It, it really is a deep conversation there, I think. Uh, as you as you get into the middle of the pack in 30 seconds um why did cbs you think take auburn at georgia instead of tennessee at lsu for their 230 game moving the lsu tennessee game to 11 in the morning all right so here's my theory georgia's okay. number one team in the land they have not right. been on cbs so far uh georgia plays missouri this week not on cbs they play vanderbilt in week seven you're not okay. going to put that game on CBS. Okay. So if you pass on Georgia 
Auburn as CBS, that means you are making the decision to not have the number one team on your network for the first seven weeks of the season. So in like a one-week vacuum, uh, I agree Tennessee and and LSU is the better game. In the big picture, I could see the argument for where in the first half of the season you do want to get the number one team on your dial at some point. This was the last real opportunity to do that. All right, 17 minutes after, we got you out on time. Go get your next radio gig. Blake Tate, Topmeyer, USA Today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right, there you go. So uh, that makes perfect sense. When, when you analyze it that way, it makes perfect sense. Park International will be a buzz this Saturday for Latin Music Fest. The family-friendly event puts the spotlight on the beautiful and bold Latin culture in our community. Celebrate the bold tastes and sounds of Latin culture. Admission is 10 bucks. Kids 12 and under get in free. And Cuban superstar Simafunk headlines the lineup of Latin artists. That's Latin Music Fest this Saturday from 4 to 10 p.m. at Parc International in downtown Lafayette. For more information, visit festivalinternational.org. Black and Gold Report, New Orleans Saints, Bob Rose, when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and them Astros in southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, Bob. Yes, the sun has come out and cool temperatures have uh, have graced us today, but it just... What a what a miserable performance it was in Carolina. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. I, I, I'm pretty well. I hope you and your family are doing the same. Yeah. Uh, but the, the Saints aren't helping any of our moods. Let's face reality here. Okay, so they're not a good football team. What's happened? What, what's, we had such high expectations and all these grandiose ideas, and here I am saying, oh, we're going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to go deep into the playoffs, and right now, they're the furthest thing from that. Where where have things gone amiss? It, everywhere, Jordy. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I had high hopes, high expectations for this team. Uh, and look, it's not. It's, it's still not early. Close. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not even close to waving the white flag on the year yet or even slamming down that panic button. But this team got to get right in a hurry. Uh, and it's got to start with the coach uh, you know, and, the, and the entire coaching staff, Dennis Allen. Um uh, Play, don't get me wrong. Players on the field have to be the ones to execute the game plan. Players on the field have to be the ones to avoid uh, you know, shooting themselves in the foot and these, mm-hmm. you know, these foolish miscues that are just killing drives. Um, you know, so yeah, that's important. But I don't understand the befuddling game plans that this team is coming out with offensively. Uh, the lack of adjustment, the lack of ability to adjust to what opposing defenses are doing to their offenses or just even what opponents are doing, period. This is a seasoned coaching staff. And, you know, that's not only with NFL experience, that's experience with each other. Uh, You know, they've been with each other a minimum of two years. uh, And in Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael's case, you're talking over a decade uh, of service with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I I just don't see any urgency from the coaching staff. I see a lack of motivation on the field from the players uh, and, you know, back to the players. 
yeah, it, it this is a team with so much talent and so much experience. Uh, yeah, that yeah, that shooting themselves in the foot, game after game, week after week, drive after drive, uh, is just absolutely inexcusable. Uh, yeah, they need to get back to the basics, like picking up a simple blitz yeah. uh, or tackling in the open field. Uh, yeah, th- those are the simple things that are costing them football games. You mentioned the simple things, and I do believe it's the attention to detail and the minutiae, the little, little, little things that often lead to big things on game days. And I think that's what Sean Payton and Drew Brees were both um, magnificent at and sticklers for. But right now, the little things are what's killing the Saints. That that lack of attention to detail in all three phases um, are what's hurting the Saints. And until they can correct that, we're going to go through this misery, I believe. Uh, you couldn't be more right. Uh, yeah, and listen, this team still had you. Know, obviously, there's an adjustment period after a guy like Drew Brees and after a guy like Sean Payton leaves you. Uh, but the reason people you and uh, people like you and I felt so strongly about this team is their locker room leadership. Uh, the Cam Jordans, the Mark Ingrams, the Alvin Kamara's, Marshawn Lattimore's, Demario Davis's, etc. Uh, and you know, while none of those guys are necessarily having bad individual seasons, uh, you know, they have to be better leaders in the huddle. Uh, there is still an awful lot of youth on this team. Uh, you know, and uh, ironically, it's not the youth that's beating them. I mean, Chris Olave is arguably the offense's best player. Uh, you know, one of the best players on the entire team. Uh, you know, it's things like Cam Jordan not getting to the quarterback uh, and experience. Pro Bowl kicker like Will Lutz missing three field goals in the first yeah. three weeks, four, maybe four field goals in the first three weeks. Uh, you know, it th- things like that. Uh, and like you said, you know, attention to detail uh, you know, was one of the sticklers that Sean Payton and Drew Brees both had. Uh, and the team kind of followed suit. Yeah. I expected the leaders on this team, the Davises, the Cams, et cetera, uh, you know, to pick up that baton. Uh, and, and continue this leadership progress, leading by both by example and verbally, and it's just not happening right now. Even even the dogs are upset yeah. about the Saints. I, I can understand absolutely. Is it me, or do you sense that there is some kind of disconnect between Jameis Winston and Alvin Kamara? When's the last time Kamara's been throwing the ball out of the backfield? Uh, yeah, and Kamara's pass receiving statistics are absolutely putrid this year. Uh, you know, for one of the best rece- the best receiving back in the game for my money, to be to to catch only five passes out of the backfield is ridiculous. Uh, and I was very vocal last year that I thought Kamara wasn't used nearly enough as a receiver, and it's gotten even worse this year. Uh, you know it. Is it the offensive game plan? I blame it partially on that. Uh, is it Jameis Winston refusing to either recognize or take the check down that's offered to him? Uh, I put part of the reason in that. Uh, and, and, you know, and some analysts, and I see it too, uh, you know, have pointed out that Jameis Winston has never been good at the check down pass. He, you know, he doesn't throw with a lot of touch. Uh, you know, his arm, his mechanics are best suited for a downfield attack. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but when that downfield attack is blanketed and your pass protection doesn't give you enough time for routes to develop down the field, you have four AK-41, uh, you know, again, for my money, the best open field player, the, you know, certainly one of the most dangerous open field players in the entire league. You yeah. get the ball into your best playmaker's hands it. and see what they could do with it. If, and again, they, the, the Saints have played 12 quarters of football right now, and 
very easily could be 0-3, very easily, uh, if not for their only productive offensive quarter, in my opinion, of the entire season, that fourth quarter against Atlanta in Atlanta. If the Saints struggle again against a much better Minnesota Viking defense, if they come up empty yet again, when do we start thinking that Jameis Winston isn't the answer and maybe you go with an Andy Dalton? Does, does that come into play? Yeah, I think it does, Jordy. Uh, and you know, as you know, there's a large faction of Saints fans right now that do not believe that Jameis Winston is the guy. Uh, I'm not there yet. But I was watching him on Sunday, and it's very clear to me that his back injury has affected his mechanics and that he is not even close to 100 uh, percent. Yeah, so if you lose to Minnesota, you're now shifting in desperation mode and you do anything that you can to win football games. Uh, you know, they brought Andy Dalton in to give stability at the backup quarterback position after the disaster that we saw last year. Uh, yeah, and if Jameis Winston isn't healthy enough to make the throws and the play that you need him to make, you do make that switch at quarterback. I believe, I firmly believe that when healthy, Jameis Winston is still the guy, uh, at least as far as what's on the roster, the guy to lead this football team. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't look healthy. He doesn't even look close to healthy right now. Uh, and again, if he can't make the plays that you need your quarterback to make, you got to turn to a savvy veteran. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the game plans wouldn't be uh, as spectacular. Uh, with the downfield throws and things like that. But you know Dandy Dalton can lead a football team. You've seen it for many, many years. I'm not to quick, uh, harsh, rash decisions. Uh, but if you ask me today, I would say the Saints need to go draft a quarterback and draft him pretty highly and get him ready as quickly as possible because I don't think Jameis is going to be the quarterback that takes you where you want to go, particularly with the window of opportunity that you may have I, I got to see it, and as of right now, I haven't seen it. Injury, no injury, whatever it may be, um, I don't see it. Uh, on the positive side, though, except for some missed tackles, Saints defense is doing about what, what we expected, aren't they? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, yeah, we finally saw some, rush, uh, some life out of this pass rush. Uh, on Sunday, and I thought I mean, coming into the Carolina game, one of the keys to a victory would be, you know, disrupt Baker Mayfield's timing, get him on the move, rush his throws, and they did exactly that. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby both played a spectacular football game against yeah. two very, very good receivers in yeah. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Uh, Mayfield completed less than 50% of his passes. Uh, you know, the Saints, I think they recorded three sacks. I think they recorded seven or eight, uh, nine official pressure. So you know, that aspect of the team is doing what they're expected to do, what they need to do to win. Uh, you know, the run defense still concerns me. I know McCaffrey is a terrific back. Uh, and, you know, the, the 108 yards that he got on the ground were very hard-earned yards. Uh, but he was – they were at least – the Panthers were at least successful enough with their ground attack that yeah. they didn't feel that they had to abandon it. So I still have a little bit of concern about this run defense. But yeah, you gotta you got to agree with what you said in the Saints defense is trending way, uh, way more up uh, than what the Saints offense is. All right, let's take a quick break here on the Black and Gold Report. When we come back, the Saints are early underdogs against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. It's an 8.30 VT time. I've never heard of VT. 
Uh, but that's what they're calling it in the land of a thousand lakes. We'll continue the conversation with Bob Rose after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame, 1041thegame.com. We'll be right back. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. It's the Black and Gold Report. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network joins us each and every Tuesday. We look back at the game that was in the first segment. We look ahead to the game that will be in segment number two. And, of course, the Saints are already in London. They left after the loss to Carolina. That must have been one atrocious plane uh, (laughs) jet flight across the pond to London. They're taking that approach. Minnesota's not leaving till thursday which approach do you prefer bob with the times time zone differentiation uh, i i prefer dennis allen and the saints approach uh yeah and i like to get my team to the next venue as early as possible especially when there's a time or a cli- massive climate change and there's both yeah. uh you know, let them get acclimated to the environment, uh, acclimated to you know the, basically the world around them. Uh, and, you know, the sooner you get settled in, you know, the sooner you can start rehab on your injured players uh, you know, and, and put in your game plan uh, in a comfortable environment where you establish that comfort for the game. So, yeah, I, I, I prefer the Saints approach. Vikings are two and one signature win over the Green Bay Packers in their opener. What what do you see? Uh, in Minnesota, what what is their strength this year? Uh, they, their strength lies on the offensive side of the ball, uh, and you can no longer say that the Vikings' weakness is along the offensive line. They have some big, beefy bodies up front there, uh, you know, that can that can really take control of the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, a, their spectacular running back, is dealing with a shoulder injury, so right. we're monitoring that status during the week. Uh, but even if he doesn't go or is limited, Alexander Madison is a terrific backup back. He can go over a hundred on a defense real easy. Uh, and yeah, the, there's a very short list of great wide receiver, elite wide receivers in the NFL. But Justin Jefferson, the former LSU product, is definitely on that list. Adam Thielen is nobody to yeah. sneeze at. Uh, and Kirk Cousins, as much as I dislike him and have zero confidence in him as a quarterback, he's put up some nice numbers uh, over his career against uh, the the New Orleans Saints. So uh, hopefully somebody will try to convince Cousins with this massive time change uh, yeah, that it's uh, that it's a primetime game because he pr- traditionally plays poorly in that level. Uh, but I'll tell you what, defensively, the Vikings, uh, they have a lot of big bodies. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be tough to get interior rushing yards. Uh, but even their linebackers are big and straightforward guys. Uh, yeah, so that tells me that you can get loo- yeah, you could get a guy like Alvin Kamara loose on that second level. And if there's ever a time that the Saints needed to do that, it is right now. Boy, Vikings coming off a tough 28-24 grind of a win over a good Detroit Lions Club. They only led for the final 45 seconds, but in the NFL, it doesn't matter how you do it, just so you do do it, and they did it, and so they're 2-1. and one. Um, I always think of Daniil Hunter. I always think of a defense 
that gets after the quarterback and particularly oh, yeah. with a Jameis Winston, whose mobility is obviously limited because of whatever's going on in his back. And that concerns me a lot. Yeah, it does me too. And you know, you mentioned to Neil Hunter, uh, you know, which should uh, you know, give PTSD flashbacks to every New Orleans Saints fan. Yeah. Uh, this offseason, they also added Zadarius Smith, uh, you know, who actually leaves their team in sacks and quarterback pressures right now. Uh, and they had DJ Wanham also coming off the edge. So they have, you know, they're going to come at you nonstop from that edge. Uh, and you know, remember a couple years ago when you know, Minnesota came into New Orleans and beat a listless Saints team in that wild card round Daniel Hunter went crazy as a pass rusher yeah. but they brought him inside uh, and that was really the first the the tip of the iceberg of what we've seen the, you know the, the Saints pass protection problems lately interior so it would not be surprised if the Vikings uh, employed that strategy again watch for it can the Saints if they just don't have self-inflicted wounds are they good enough to beat the Minnesota Vikings yeah, I absolutely believe so. Uh, you know, and coming into the year, I had this game pegged as an early victory. Uh, yeah, because of the Saints' defense and their ability, I respect the skill positions that the Vikings have immensely. Uh, but I think the Saints match up with that pretty well. Uh, yeah, even after three games and a one and two record, I still feel that way. Uh, it's the Saints' offense that obviously concerns me. Uh, yeah, you you have to protect Jameis Winston or whoever the quarterback is, and you need to establish balance. I know the Saints rushing numbers aren't bad so far this year, but that's more smoke and mirrors. Uh, you know, you've watched the games just like I have. Can you really tell me that the Saints have had a balanced offense in any yeah. of those three games? Yeah. yeah, me either. So, yeah, the Saints need to do that. And if they can, that will help stave off that pass rush. Uh, you know, give the blitzers a second thought uh, you know, be before they come roaring up that uh, those interior gaps. Uh, and, again, you have to get Alvin Kamara loose uh, and establish you – know, a quick chemistry between Winston and those wide receivers uh, against a suspect Viking secondary. Isn't the key though? You got to pressure Kirk Cousins because if he has time, those wide Thielen is is a man. He's a killer, and we yeah. know that Jefferson is too. I mean, they they got a lot of weapons. That Dalvin Cook, that's a whole different beast. If he's hurt, boy, does mm -hmm. that help the Saints out? Uh, although his backup's pretty good as well, but not Dalvin Cook, but man, you got to put pressure. That defensive front has to play well, and I haven't heard Marcus Davenport's name mentioned in two or three weeks, it seems like. No, and Davenport played better. He finally – he was absolutely invisible week one and week two. I agree with Oof. you. Uh, yeah, he had some moments against Carolina. He even had a sack, I think. Uh, but you're right. You have to pressure Kirk Cousins. This guy will always throw the ball to the other team if he's rattled a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you can hit him around. Kirk isn't extremely mobile whatsoever. Uh, you know, he has three interceptions this year, but all three were in one game. That week two loss to Philadelphia uh, where the Eagles did what? got after the passer, yeah. roughed him up, get him, got him out of his comfort zone and didn't allow those receivers extra t that extra second to break open down the field. Eagles are good. Yeah, they are. They are really good. And they host the Jaguars. And, boy, uh, this, this Sunday you get rid of Urban Meyer and now uh, Lawrence looks great and the Jags are playing good football. 
Yeah, they are. And, you know, good for Jacksonville. Uh, you know, I always kind of, you know, closet root for the underdog. Um, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I don't think any of us denied that. Uh, you know, we were all scratching our heads at their offseason moves to surround him with weapons, uh, the type of weapons they did. Uh, but so far, it's paying dividends. And, you know, th this could be a sneaky good game. I agree with you. I think, you know, Philadelphia is at the top of my you know, top five rankings right now. Uh, but again, it's still early on. Uh, you know, a, a team like Jacksonville, this is when you find out if they're for real. Uh, and, you know, you, you can also find out something a, a little bit about Philadelphia as well. Uh, let's go to your top five because Buffalo got upset by the Miami Dolphins. We had them number one a week ago. So uh, starting with number five, who, who you got? Let's work our way back up. Uh, I, you got to start with the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers. Um they just, uh, yeah, they, they yeah. just came away with that big victory against Tampa yeah. Bay. Uh, yeah. And really my mindset coming out of that game was, you know, whoever, whoever persevered, uh, and that's exactly what they did, uh, you know, would end up being number five. Neither team is particularly impressive right now. Both are vulnerable, but, you know, Green Bay, uh, Green Bay is still dangerous. All right, number four. Number four is tough for me, but you got to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, they're just that that defense isn't as rugged as what we have seen in the past. But Lamar Jackson is a wow. video game cheat code, man. Wow. Uh, you know, he's developed as a passer like I never thought he would. Uh, and, you know, you know how dangerous he is with his legs. You expect that Ravens defense to get better as the uh, as the season goes along. Yeah, Baltimore is my number four team. Never thought he'd be like this. I, I remember Louisville playing LSU in a bowl game and LSU shut him down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, this guy, well, who is this? Well, uh, OK, I know who you are now. Number three, Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah, and those injuries are mounting for the Bills defensively. Uh, yeah, offensively, the mistakes that we saw Buffalo make in that loss to Miami are more of an anomaly, uh, you know, rather than a rule. Uh, I don't. I expect Josh Allen to learn from it. And yeah, there's no question that Buffalo has one of the league's most dangerous offenses, and they're extremely well coached defensively. Injuries or not. All right, that sets up the Bills at the Ravens this Sunday. That's uh, that's a heck of a matchup. At number two, you have. Got to go with Miami, uh, and I don't. I still don't have confidence that the Miami Dolphins. I think the Miami Dolphins are this year's Arizona Cardinals. I don't think they have lasting power okay. to be a contender through the That's whole fair. season. Uh, but given the way they started, how much speed they have, the guts of Tua at quarterback. Uh, they have an underrated defense. Uh, yeah, and you know whether or not. You, no matter how that victory happened against uh, Buffalo and some weird things happened, you know, transpired in that game, they still came out with the W. You got to have Miami near the top of your rankings right now. Philly's got to be number one then. They are. They are. Um, and again, I question their lasting power because of James, uh, Jalen Hurts accuracy as a passer. Uh, and they're another team that's having some injuries start to mount defensively. Uh, but one thing we know, the Eagles are always going to play physical defense. Yeah. They're deep on that side of the ball and the playmakers they have at wide receiver. You and I are both a fan of this head coach at Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think this team and it's still a very young team, too. I think this team is setting up for long term success. I'm with you. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. You got the Saints beating the Vikings maybe by a field goal or a little bit more? What do you think? I think they beat them by up to 10. You know, wow. Nine, nine, 10 points. Uh, wow. Because I, I do think they get to Cousins. Uh, you know, uh, Lattimore, you know, 
Lattimore's made headlines in the first couple of weeks for you know, losing some discipline on the field, mm-hmm. but people are losing sight of the fact he's having a terrific year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As long as they can get to Cousins, I still have confidence. And Paulson and Debo's just coming back healthy. I think that secondary can at least contain Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, and yeah, I, you keep waiting for a get-right week for the New Orleans offense. Again, that Vikings defense is physical, and they're going to get after you. Uh, but in open space, I think you know Michael Thomas, Kamara, Alave, Jarvis Landry, if he's healthy, they have a big advantage on that second, second and third mm-hmm. level of Minnesota's defense. We're going to be anxiously watching uh, Hurricane Ian, and it may affect the Chiefs and the Buccaneers in Tampa. Yeah. There's already talk about maybe moving that game to Minnesota mm-hmm. and playing in that Dome Stadium. With that being said, um, man, all Saints fans are hoping that we're all pulling for the Chiefs. The Falcons and the pa- uh, the Falcons are off this week. The Panthers are hosting the Arizona Cardinals. So if things go according to plan, the Cardinals beat the Panthers, the Chiefs beat the Bucks, the Saints beat the Vikings, and now you got a you got a three way you got a two way tie at the top at two or two with the Saints and the and the Buccaneers. Um, Chiefs are a better team than the Bucks, aren't they? Jordy, I don't know. Not? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, Patrick Holmes, Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tom Brady is right now. Uh, and, you know, that Buccaneers receiving core is all banged up. Uh, but if the Buccaneers can establish defense. the running game, we know they have the defense yeah. to uh, to make some plays against Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. Uh, you know, on a neutral site, I like Kansas City's chances because uh, I think Andy Reid is a far better coach than, uh, than Todd Bowles. Uh, but uh, yeah, T- Tampa Bay's got a puncher's chance. It would not shock me if the Buccaneers emerge here with a victory. I think they moved that game. I think Tampa's going to be in bad shape with that storm. Uh, I really think they'll move it. Uh, Thursday night's a really good one. Can the Dolphins take their show on the road in prime time into Cincy against Burrow and the Bengals? Hey, Burrow and the Bengals are having their own problems right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, ex- I expect them to get right. Uh, you know, just like we said with Philadelphia uh, or Jacksonville, rather, against Philadelphia, we're going to find out how for real the Miami Dolphins are this week. Uh, I like the Bengals in that game. Uh, they're my AFC you know, representative for the Super Bowl. And you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised at the, how slowly they've started the year, yep. but I think they get right here. All right. Um I got to introduce Alvin Kamara to Jameis Winston and Jameis Winston to Alvin Kamara. And those two got to get on the same page. And Kamara has got to get double digit touches, whether it's running it or pass catching it. He's got to get double digit touches every game or you're wasting him. I could not agree with that statement anymore. And remember the last time we saw Alvin Kamara on the same field with the Minnesota Vikings. He rushed for a career high 155 yards, tied a, like an 80-year-old NFL record with six rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah, that's Kamara as a rusher. We've seen Kamara have success as a receiver against those big but but uh, athletically limited Minnesota linebackers. Uh, and yeah, I. I'm I'm making I, I'm with you. I'm making Kamara and Winston room together, follow together, follow each other around from meeting to meeting, eat together. Uh, you know, I'm making them stick side by side to see if that does anything for the game. Bob, you've forgotten more football than I'll know, but I know talent. And if I'm a quarterback, I'm getting it to my best players because it makes me look good and it moves the chains and it scores touchdowns. Alvin Kamara is the best player on the field. 
I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. Me either. Uh, yeah, me either. And I'm right there with you. It's football one-on-one. Uh, you know, your best players need the ball to make plays in big games, in any in any game. Uh, and I and I lamented this all last year too. Why aren't they using Kamara more as a receiver? Uh, you know, I, I, part of that is on game plan, but part of it is on Jameis Winston too. And you know what? Kamara, Pete Carmichael, Pete Carmichael, yeah, Pete Carmichael's got to be held to the to the fire now. I mean, come on, dude, what are you doing? Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, this is a man that's been in New Orleans for 16, 17 years now. Uh, you know, running the uh, helping run the offense. It's... The offense is now his. Uh, you you got to do something with with it, Petey. It's easy when you're sitting in that second chair and you're making suggestions. It it's not so easy when all eyes are on you and you're making the calls. Get it to your playmakers, Pete, or mm -hmm. hit or hit the road, Jack. I'm just I'm tired of it. This offense has got to be better than this. It makes no sense to me. Anyway, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, at least we'll be up early to watch the Saints, which is a good thing. And then we have the rest of the day to, you know, you can play with the family. I can play with my kids and we'll do some fun things. So enjoy, my friend. Thank you. You too. Have a great week. We'll talk soon. Bob Rose with us. <laughs> Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holtberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, time to shut down shop for the day. Uh, special thanks to our guest, Matthew Bruni, talking LSU Tigers. Christian Clark, Zion, looking great. Pell's two-a-day practices started today. Blake Topmeyer, we go around the SEC. He likes the Tigers by... 10 or more against Auburn and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Saints. He likes the Saints to win rather handily over the Vikings in London. Got to convince me of that one. Uh, but anyway, tomorrow, Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll go over his picks of another busy weekend of uh, college football. Yes, indeed. Um, if today, September 27th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with New Orleans native Lil Wayne. Used to sit next to me at all the Hornets games. Lil Wayne is 41, and the coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, he of three NBA championships, one with Chicago, two with San Antonio. Steve Kerr is 57. All right, well, come back and see us tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great station. So thank you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. James, thank you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper.